This is I Ask, They Answer on the Equine Forum on HRRN. And there's a quarter of a mile left to go. Despite being wide every jump, it's Value Engineering who's come away with the lead. From the inside, and Sole Volante ducking to the fence, and Barberini, eighth of a mile to go. It's still Value Engineering in front. Wicked Fast takes a shot at him on the outside. Value Engineering close to home on a clear lead, and Value Engineering proves much the best to win the Allen Jerkins a length and a half. Second, Wicked Fast. Up third, Barberini. Then Sole Volante. Caninos in 2.43, flat. Value Engineering back to defend his title in today's two-mile H. Allen Jerkin stakes at Gulfstream. Would racing be better if tracks carded more marathon turf races? Plus, Breeders' Cup juvenile winner Fierceness is expected to make his three-year-old debut in the Holy Bull stakes on February 3rd. But is that the right move? And Kentucky State Senate Majority Leader Damon Thayer will not seek re-election when his term concludes in December of 2024. What does his decision mean for the industry? Those topics and much, much more are straight ahead on this week's edition of I Ask, They Answer with trainer Dale Romans and turf writer Tim Wilkin. And it's all presented by the University of Louisville Equine Industry Program and the College of Business. And it all starts just 30 seconds from right now. Learn the business of horses in the world's only accredited equine business program, the University of Louisville Equine Business Program. The University of Louisville has a legacy of excellence educating and developing industry leaders for over 35 years. Classes are taught by industry experts in state-of-the-art facilities located in the heartland of America's equine industry. The University of Louisville Equine Business Program. When it comes to horses, we mean business. For more information, visit business.louisville.edu. equine all right, gentlemen, last week we began the show with a brand new segment called Like It, Love It, or Hate It, and I really liked it, so we're going to do it again this week. Two topics for you. You tell me if you like them, you love them, or you hate them. So number one, Churchill Downs announced a new partnership with the British Jockey Club along with Ascot Racecourse to offer a program where two races on Kentucky Derby Day will offer horses an entry and travel incentive to run at Royal Ascot in mid-June. The winner of the Old Forester Turf Classic will receive a berth to either the one-mile Queen Anne Stakes or the mile-and-a-quarter Prince of Wales Stakes, and the winner of the Twin Spires Turf Sprint will receive an entry to the King Charles Stakes. Dale, like it, love it, or hate it? I love it. As long as they don't come along later and want more spots in the Kentucky Derby, I love it. I think it would be a great uh, incentive for someone to go over. And uh, I happen to have a nice turf sprinter. Maybe we could win that thing and go to Ascot. I want to see you in a top hat. Uh, that's a problem. I have to make a special one. I got a pretty big head. Especially if I'm <laughs> going to Ascot off of a stakes win at Churchill, my head will be really big. <laughs> have you been to Ascot, Dale? I've never been. I've never been in Europe other than change planes, but I would like to go. I'd like to see it. I've never seen a real reason to go run. It's uh, the meat and potatoes of American racing. So I'd stay right here and run. But uh, everybody who's been says they treat them like royalty so i'd love to go yeah i love the automatic entry thing i, I think it's a cool idea and like you said as long as it's a, an entry into the races in ascot and not another automatic bid into the kentucky derby uh, i i'm on the same page as you timmy what do you think like it love it or hate it well i like it um it's hard for me to love anything i mean it's uh and i'm not a hard guy but um it seems to me that you get a chance to run at Royal Ascot, you know, because to, to get there, you have to be invited. To get uh, 
to get an automatic bid for for that <clears throat> and travel incentive, I think is just huge for American horsemen. And you know, it's going to help the um, Europeans too because I believe that um, uh, that some of the horses that, um, that from like the Prince of Wales and the Queen Anne over in in um, over there get an entry to come back, come back over here to run the Arlington Million and uh, Beverly D at, mm-hmm. at Colonial. So I think it's a win-win for both, both sides of the pond. And yeah, I hope Dale gets to uh, get a horse to get over there because I'd pay to see him in the tails and the hat. I really would. Dale, do you think this makes any difference in the quality of those fields? They're always, they always attract high caliber horses. But do you think that more trainers and owners now start thinking about those races on their schedule as opposed to uh, maybe bypassing those and taking a shot somewhere else? I doubt it. I doubt they, they run just for that, but it's a nice incentive and it's a, it's a clever thing to start working and, and meshing together European racing and American racing. Everything's always coming over here. It will be interesting to see how we can do going back across and racing against them. Now, the win in your ring concepts have, have revolutionized the game in, in a lot of different ways, You know, starting with the Breeders' Cup and what we see there with that incredible program, and now we get a chance to see it with Churchill going the other way from Churchill Downs to Royal Ascot. All right, number two, Rapoli Stables Breeders' Cup juvenile winner Fierceness is likely to make his three-year-old debut in the Grade 3 Holy Bull Stakes at Gulfstream on February 3rd. Guys, only three horses who have competed in the Holy Bull have gone on to win the Kentucky Derby. Go for Gin in 94, Funny Side in 2003, and Barbaro in 2006. That's it. So what do you think of this move? Do you like it, love it, or hate it, Tim Wilkin? I like it. I mean, you've got to start somewhere for your three-year-old year, right? And, um, you know, who's going to question Todd Pletcher where he's going to start his horse? Um, he's based in Florida. And that seems like the logical place for him to start. Well, the other one would be Fountain of Youth. Um, it, and, you know, since Barbaro ran in it, this is the research coming out, Dale. Since Barbaro ran in it in 2006, 31 horses who ran in the Holy Bull ran in the Kentucky Derby. And 10 of those horses won the Holy Bull. But the best finishes were Tis the Law, who was second in the COVID 2020 Derby, and Audible was third in 2018. And I'm sorry, and Mucho Macho Man was third in 2011. You know, I I, I think that the, that's a logical starting point for fierceness. And again, I'm not going to question Todd. I mean, he 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 puts his horses on a schedule, and more often than not, he's right. Yeah, I have to agree. I love it. I think uh, I'm a big Todd Fletcher fan, as you know. And if he's laying out a map for his horse, he's doing it for a reason. He knows his horse. He knows what he wants to do. And uh, Who's just questioning? He's won a lot more derbies than I have. Well, Timmy mentions the other logical starting spot, which would be the Fountain of Youth stakes, and a lot of times horses will bypass the Holy Bull and wait for the Fountain of Youth and then go to the Florida Derby and then right to the Kentucky Derby. I mentioned the three winner, the three winners coming from the Holy Bull. The Fountain of Youth has been good. It's had 14 Derby winners, and the Florida Derby is at the top of the list with 25, including last year's winner, Mage. Dale, what's the the perceived advantage of starting a horse early in the Holy Bull or maybe the advantage of waiting for the fountain of youth? Well, there's two ways to look at it. You can either, if you, if you got a big heavy horse that needs to run, you think he needs a lot of races, it gives you the option to run in all three if you want. 
Or if you if you want to make your start early in the Holy Bull, go ahead and get that first start out of the way and then give him a little time between the Holy Bull and the Florida Derby. Skip the Fountain of Youth. You just have to know your horse and what you think's best for him, and that's one thing Todd's great at. And the thing, too, is why there's a lot more winners of the Fountain of Youth because that race has been around a lot longer than the Holy Bull, I believe. Yeah, the Fountain of Youth, again, 14 horses coming through there. We'll see how this plays out. But, it, it, again, you get a guy like Todd Putcher. He knows what he's doing, and he'll get fierceness started more than likely on February 3rd in that Holy Bull Stakes. All right, guys, let's move on to the next topic, and this one involves some big news that came out this week. Kentucky Senate Majority Floor Leader Damon Thayer will not seek reelection when his term concludes in December of 2024. Thayer has been a huge ally to the thoroughbred industry during his 20-plus years in the Senate. How big of a loss is this for the industry? And, Dale, I, I know you know Damon well. Let me start with you. How big of a loss is this? No, it's a huge loss. Damon's a good friend, and I talked to him a couple of days ago right before he announced he, we were talking about some uh, racing issues that, that are going to come up in this legislative session. But he, he told me he was he was not running again. I couldn't believe it. He loves being a senator, and uh, I loved having him in there. We could call any time, and he would answer, and, and he carried a lot of water for mm-hmm. all the, all areas of the horse racing industry, whether it be breeding or or the racetracks or for the horsemen's groups, and he'll be greatly missed. You know, we, we've got a lot of friends in Frankfurt. Horse racing is so popular in Kentucky, and it's such an important part of our state. That there's somebody will pick up the ball and run with it, but Damon's been great for us, and I hate to see him go. <clears throat> I'd have to concur with that, even though it for you know for me being in New York, I've been watching it more from afar. But I met Damon um, this past fall at Kentucky Downs. I believe he was in the paddock with Dale, and um, I became a fan immediately because he said he was a fan of our show and a fan <laughs> of me. So I don't, I don't want him to leave. We, and he has Timmy, we, we knew there was one fan out there somewhere, Timmy. Now we know who it is. <laughs> now I've got to find another one. But, no, that's just, <laughs> but just, just looking at all the stuff he's done for racing in Kentucky, you know, he's a, been a friend to the sport. And um, you want to have friends in high places, and he's definitely that. And hopefully they have someone that uh, can even – come close to what he did for for the industry uh, yeah he'll be missed dale you mentioned there are other friends that the industry has in frankfurt and there are plenty of of folks in in the legislature and and uh, in the political system that support horse racing certainly in the bluegrass but you know damon was the guy that always seemed to be at the forefront of every battle that racing was facing and when it came to you know penny breakage when it came to um you know that the, the instant racing machines and all of those different things. Damon was the guy who spearheaded all of those. How can he be replaced? I, I don't, he can't be replaced. One thing I'm going to do is I'm going to sit down and have a talk with Damon because he was the point man on all that stuff. And he could yeah. get everybody in this, in the room together. I'm going to tell him, you've got to assign someone else the point man and give me their cell number. So uh, we can, we can keep talking and, you know, hopefully he comes out and he wants to do some lobbying, too. I think he'd be a great guy to go lobby, Frankfurt, from a, a different angle once he's out. But I'm sure Damon will find somebody to carry the torch for him. Well, he's got one more year, 
Again, he won't uh, step down until his term ends on, in December of 2024. So we've got one more year, and then we'll see where things go from there. But it will be uh, a big loss for the industry in Kentucky and really nationwide in that perspective. All right, it is t- that time of the show, guys, where we turn our attention and say hello to our good friend Nick Zito. And you get to tell me if the following statement is right or wrong. Yeah, right or wrong. Am I right? What do you think? Right or wrong? All right, one topic for you this morning. Today's H. Allen Jerkin Stakes at Gulfstream has attracted 10 runners, including defending champion Value Engineering. The race is going to be run at a distance of two miles on the turf. And I know what you're thinking. Two miles on the turf. The race doesn't include a single jump. It is a straight flat race. And, guys, I I love races like this. And I say the sport would be better off if tracks carted more of these types of marathon turf races. Is that right or wrong? What do you think? Right or wrong? Timmy? I think it's right. Um, obviously, the these are specialists that that, that that run a distance of ground that you don't see it often. Um, you have the other race that comes to mind, the Belmont Gold Cup. Um, this race, the Jerkinson in, in, at Gulfstream, I mean, last year it it wasn't run at two miles because the weather put it back on the uh, the tapita. They ran it a mile and five eighths. I suppose there's a chance that could happen today because the weather isn't supposed to be great. But you know, people love to bet on turf races, and there's so many um, <clears throat> angles to go go with when you're running at two miles. So I think uh, as long as they get the horses to to, to do this, I I, I mean I, I don't want to see them card you know. A two-mile race every week, but you know the, the fact that you got horses that this is what they love to do. Yeah, I, I think it's great for the game. Yeah, I love longer races. I think you're 100 right on this one. I wish they ran a lot. I wish they ran more everyday races at longer distances. One thing the great Alan Jerkins did tell me a long time ago. He said when we started shortening up all these races and running so many more short races. There was no place for the slow horse that wanted to keep running forever. And he said back in the old days in New York, they would have mile and a half, two-mile races all the time. And he said if you had a horse that was slow, you could find a place for it to win races. It was just because they had a lot of stamina. And I'd like to see us get back to running. Plus, they're good betting races. If you can get a big field in a long race like that, they're actually uh, very popular with the betters. Dale, do you think the sport has enough of those types of horses in it now for tracks to consider carting more of those types of races? I think they're out there. I think you had to convince people that the horses can do it. But uh, I think there's a lot of horses out there that just, they don't have any real problems. They're just not fast enough and quick enough, but they'll run forever. And and uh, I think there's plenty of them out there. You just It would, it would be, a, it would be a, a tough go to get people's mindset to start running long like that, but I wish it would happen. I like those old long races, and I like route horses. Do you have any in your barn now? I got plenty of slow horses in my barn that could benefit <laughs> from uh, the long, long races. That's the, that might be the problem. <laughs> you could be the Chad Brown then of this division. Yes, exactly. The, Alan, Alan loved them, and that's one thing. It's, it's that's one reason they carted this race. For him, a, a marathon race like this, because he loved long races and he was well outspoken about it. Yeah, they're kind of a throwback type of race, and I, I wish we would see more of these. But for now, we'll just enjoy this two-mile Alan Jerkins this afternoon at Gulfstream. 
All right, we'll welcome Nick Zito back to the program for that segment next week, but we'll move on to one more topic before Dale and Tim make their final point of the week. And this one, guys, I want to thank our friend Rhonda, Nor- Rhonda Norby over at Equibase for helping to steer me in the direction of some of these statistics. And this is going to get a bit confusing, so bear with me. Steve Asmussen currently leads all trainers by number of wins in 2023 and is number three on the overall earnings list behind Brad Cox and Todd Pletcher. Brad Cox is just ahead of Chad Brown in total stakes wins this year with Asmussen and Pletcher right behind in third and fourth places respectively. But it is Chad Brown who tops all trainers by number of graded stakes wins in 2023. So I'm going to ask you, which trainer is your MVP this year? Tim Wilkin, what do you think? Well, the MVP, that would sort of be the Eclipse Award then too, right? Correct? Um, sure, it could be. Well, so then I'm not going to vote for any of them. I'm, I'm giving it to Bill Mott because I think he had the better year of all of them. So he's your and MVP. I know that he's my MVP. I know Chad Brown had 39 graded stakes wins. Um, and he, Chad, Chad had 12 grade ones, as, as did Brad Cox. Bill Mott had 10 grade ones, but he won three on Breeders' Cup Day. Chad won two. But, but, but Mott also won the Met Mile, and he won the Pegasus World Cup. I just think he had the phenomenal year. He's going to get my – I think he's going to get – yeah, he's going to get my vote for the top trainer for the Eclipse Award. So I, I, I'm going off the board. I'm, that's, that's who my MVP is. Well, you, you stole my line. Um <laughs> All three of them had great – all four had great years. And, and yes, I'm going with Bill Mott, too. He's my MVP and my Eclipse Award-winning trainer this year. I think what he did this year was pretty outstanding and uh, deserves recognition, and he should win the Eclipse Award. I mean, the the, the barn that he had, I mean, the Elite Power, Cody's Wish, um, Warlike Goddess, um, you know, he he just had – just FYI, he just – he had a barn full of talented runners, and um, you know he, he should be rewarded for the the job he did with all of those great runners. It was Murderers Row that that's what I called him when I would see them up at Saratoga every morning. I think he, he he's he's my MVP. So what carries more weight? I mean, you guys are talking about Bill Mott. He didn't win the number of greatest stakes that Chad Brown won. He doesn't have the number of overall wins that Steve Asmussen has or stakes wins that Brad Cox has. So you're saying it's it's more quality over quantity with Bill Mott, and that's enough to get it done? I don't think it's who's done the most of anything. I think it's who's done the most with what they had. And and uh, if you look at it that way, I think Bill's a unanimous winner. Mm. That's a great you way know, to put it. You look at you know if you look at the the game. Um, the biggest races on our calendar each year are the triple crown races. And we're not talking about any of the trainers that won the triple crown race. And, you know, Rick Dutrow won the Breeders' Cup Classic. We're not talking about him. I mean, I think that uh, you you want to reward the person that that just uh, excelled with the horses in his barn. I mean, Bill Mott, I think – you know, compared to uh, – he had less starters than Brad or Todd or Steve and Chad. I mean, I think he had only 625 starters, but he was fifth in earnings. So he's more than a deserving winner, I think, this year with what happened. He won 24 total graded stakes wins for Bill. Dale, what do trainers cherish more, 
winning a large number of races like Steve Asmussen or winning the right races like, say, Chad Brown, the greatest stakes wins? Which, which one's more important to a trainer? I think if you boil it down, it would be the greatest stakes wins, and then it goes to grade one wins in a year. I mean, my clips were what year I won nine, and I know Todd had won more money and, and, a, and a couple more grade one stakes, but I guess they looked at what we're talking about, what happened with what we had. and uh, But, yeah, it, they're both great things to have, though, but if guys don't have graded horses, then they want to win a lot of races, and that's important, and it's a, it's a big deal. And, you know, I don't want to run down anybody for for having great statistics. And all four of those guys had great years, and but only one of them can win the Eclipse Award. And I think what Bill did was what he had and how he, they started out the year good and finished the year good, and that's all you can ask. Mm. Yeah, interesting. We'll see if Bill Mott can take home the hardware. We'll see if the voters agree when the uh, votes are cast in early January for those Eclipse Awards. Uh, all right, guys, let's move on to the final segment. It is the time for you each to make one final point this week before we wrap up the show. So, Timmy, let's start with you. What is your final point of the week? Well, before I get into the final point, I want to make sure. I did mention Cody's wish, didn't I, the Bill Mott stables? I did yes. mention it, didn't I? Okay. I believe so. All right. Well, if I didn't, I did now. But my final point is just a shout-out to uh, the newest members of the Joe Hirsch Media Media Roll of Honor at the National Museum of Racing was announced this week and. um Dick Girardi, longtime Philadelphia Daily News writer, is going going in there along with the late Paul Moran from Newsday and John Henry. John, is that his name? Uh, I think it's his name, but he, he was back in the 1890s. They're all they're all going into to, to the uh, Hall of Hall of Fame media um, media honor roll, and they're all deserving. Even though I didn't know John. Well put. Uh, and congratulations to those guys. My final point is a little bit political. You know, I was this week named to the HISA advisory board. I've heard from a lot of people, a lot of positive and a few negative from my friends saying I'm sleeping with the enemy and uh, different things. And what I want to point out to everybody in horse racing, this was an act of Congress. This is a federal law. We'll let the, the courts decide whether or not it's constitutional. Let that play out through the court system. But it is. it would take an act of Congress, literally, right now, to get rid of it. So I want to be involved, and I think every horseman should be involved, and we try to mold it and make it better and make it and make them do their job the right way and help racing because it's not going anywhere. Yeah, I think HISA is here to stay, and uh, in that respect, everybody rowing in the same direction would be uh, a welcome change with racing right now, and we'll see how this all plays out. Uh, Timmy, just so you know, it is John Hervey. John Hervey. Correct. Yeah, John Hervey. John Hervey. Uh, I don't know why I said Henry. The, yeah, the third Apologies. member of the uh, honor roll. John Henry, already a member of the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I know. He's four-legged. <laughs> John Hervey. John Hervey. I had too much eggnog today. Yep. Yep. Amen. All right, guys. Appreciate the uh, the conversation here this morning. We're going to do it all over again next week. Uh, enjoy the races this weekend. Thanks, right, Mike. Talk to you later. All right. Don't forget, if you have a topic you want to hear Dale and Tim discuss, simply email that topic to me, Mike, at horseracingradio.net, and I'll get it worked in. I can promise you they love when our listeners ask them questions and submit topics for them to debate. So make sure you do that. I Ask the Answer is presented by the University of Louisville Equine Industry Program and the College of Business. I'm back with more. This is the Equine Forum on the Horse Racing Radio Network. <laughs>